0: I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I fell. Brilliant! But geez,
1: he's round the goalkeeper. He's done it! Absolutely
0: incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and kung fu kicked a supporter who. Won- Does it tame
2: and tame and tame again?
1: Rank up the music! Charge it!
0: If you're a goalscorer, there's a fair chance that you're also a fist pumper, a knee slider, an away fan shusher, an ear cupper, a name on the back of your shirt pointer, an assist recogniser, a finger wagger, a hoarding jumper, a hoarding kicker, a dancer or a back flipper, a corner flag assaulter, a hugger, a hand signaler, a bebeto cradler, a boot polisher, a messiah, a muted celebrator, or maybe even a full length choreographer. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Joining me for this forensic examination of the goal celebration are uh, James McNicholas. Welcome back, James. How, uh, how do you celebrate your goals? Uh, I, do you know what I go for the finger wag. Mm.
1: The finger wag, as if I've said you've all been very naughty and I've punished you with with my goal.
0: I'm interested by that theory because I think we're going to talk about the finger wag in greater detail in this episode. But uh, there are so many theories about why players wag their fingers. So that's interesting. (laughs) It's a kind of schoolteachery thing. Well, I Uh, I think it's
1: kind of I told you so, you know. Yes. That's that's what it is for me.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, we also have Dave Walker. Uh, what's your celebration of choice?
2: My personal celebration of choice that mm. I would do. Um it's yeah. very boring. It's very boring, I'm afraid. I've only actually ever scored two goals in my wow. entire footballing life. Um and one of them was was so close to not being my goal. I didn't even know I'd scored it, so I didn't celebrate. Oh, like it just it just nicked off my stud and like yeah. one of my teammates gave it to me. I think out of sympathy, really. Um, but I did recently score a, a proper goal, and I didn't really know what to do. I just sort of, sort <laughs> of un- understated fist pump and run and ran back, ran back to my own half.
0: Nice. Mm. I, I'm quite squarey. I, 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 t- I tend to sort of I, I tend to go for a full-blooded fucking get in there with a slightly henman-esque fist pump, and then <laughs> nice. Uh, and then sort of yeah, a stern jog back. Stuart Pearce styles my own half. Before we get on to this main subject, uh, we are going to, of course, talk about the things we noticed about football this week, which are slim pickings. But, uh, but of course, we start where we always do, which is the Nicaraguan Liga Primera. Uh, James, huge win for club Deportivo Walter Ferretti uh, on Monday. 7-0 over Chinandega at the Estadio Olimpico. That brought their <coughs> run of three straight defeats to a halt. Um, but it was a hat-trick for Fernando Villalpando, their Mexican striker. El Sacchador, Um he's in a great run of form, isn't he?
1: Do you know what? I th- He is. And I, as as an athletic writer, I really feel that like I should be able to answer this earnestly. It feels like it should be sort of the, the qualification you require in order to get a job here. But uh, uh, yes, I'm sure he's doing tremendously well.
0: His name translates as the, the plunderer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, uh, things not going so well over the Estadio Solidaridad Augusto Cesar Mendoza, meanwhile... Uh, m- Juan Ramirez under a bit of pressure at Real Madrid. That's three defeats in a row now for Los Somatenos. He's under some serious pressure, isn't he? Is Real Madrid really the name of the team? Yeah, it's, it's like Real Madrid, <laughs> but with a Z on the end. They also have a Juventus. This is really where the, the real action is. It's like a knockoff shirt that you'd find for like five euros <laughs> <laughs> in a is shop. Is this you admitting in, that you, you're not familiar with Juan Ramirez's toiling? I think, at, uh, I think it is. In the absence of actual current football we're we're overloading on nostalgia and as, as a nostalgia enthusiast myself I'm, I'm all for it but i feel like we've really we, we've reached a, a point of no return um the lead item on bbc's website on, on on sunday was was their rerun of the 1991 scottish cup final between dundee united and motherwell is this too much nostalgia how much how much more nostalgic can we get james mcnicholas I think we
1: are bordering on too much nostalgia. I mean, I have to say, when they announced that there was a a version of Championship Manager 2001-2002 doing the rounds with fully updated squad, things like that. You know, I've been seeing, I'm looking forward to sort of FIFA wartime edition coming out. (laughs) It honestly feels like we're on the brink of something like that.
0: Match of the day is still going on on, on on Saturday, but it's going to be called Match of Their Day. And it's going to show classic highlights. Uh, I do wonder though, are they going to get classic pundits on? Are we going to have Hanson? Is Des Lynham going to present? Is Gerald Cindat going to do the the goals roundup halfway through? Uh, I feel like you've got to go. Yeah, but can you have classic highlights? Are we really going to watch? Um... So we're going to watch. Are this they going
2: to? Oh, of course we are. We're going to watch. I mean, some of the things I've been watching, I've... this will definitely be up top of the list. But like, are they going to just show old episodes in their entirety? Are they going to have? They're surely not going to have pundits like introducing the old games. Like I think pundits, pundits are going to
0: choose classic games of their, right. you know, of their choice and then they're going to show highlights of them and then they're, well, going, to hopefully, they're going to earnestly analyse it afterwards.
2: Hopefully they're going to get the uh, freshly shaven Mark Lawrenson on. Have you seen I him? I have seen the freshly shaven he's, Mark Lawrenson. He's, he's gone. He, he, he's followed the trend. I think he actually may, may well have been the trend setter. He's completely shaved his head in isolation.
1: I might just say it's, it's added years on him. Instantly. (laughs) (laughs) But Shirea, Bergami, they've almost had too much time until it comes to Tardelli.
2: And they've picked their moment. Marco Tardelli expressing what it's like to score in a World Cup final. We're
0: going to talk about goal celebrations today and and it feels like I feel like i've chosen quite a narrow subject here but then when i opened this pandora's box of football cliches there was a hell of a lot spilling out the first thing that i we need to nail down is um, there really is only kind of one one kind of linguistic aspect to this which is wheeling away now there are at least 700 instances on google that i can find of people news reports etc who think it's reeling away as in a cotton reel so can we just clarify that it is indeed wheeling away? What does wheeling away mean? In your, if I said wheeling away in your head, what am I, what am I describing?
1: I think it is wheeling away, and for me, wheeling away is sort of like um, turning and running to celebrate in a different direction. And I actually think you ah. can wheel away before the ball hits the net. That's oh, like yes. an important qualifier. Because I feel like you're
0: following, you're following the trajectory of the ball with your instep, aren't you? So as, as it goes in, you're carrying on the direction you were running, Dave. Yeah, exactly. You get,
2: you occasionally have somebody who has indeed started to wheel away, as James has said, but then the goalkeeper pulls out of save out of mm. nowhere, tips yeah, it over the that. bar, and they have to stop. But reeling is com- reeling with an R is completely the wrong. Because like you yeah, can be left
0: left reeling, I just, having oh, yeah, missed totally. an open that's, that's goal. A different... Yeah, it's a different scenario entirely, but I just, the fact that there are, you know, approximately 700 people out there who think it's called reeling away really troubles me. Mm. It's like getting lyrics wrong in a really famous song. It's just, what's wrong with you? in, in our research for this episode, we, we were trying to establish t- who actually did the first ever knee side celebration because knee sides to me are kind of a, a modern phenomenon. Lovely pitches, well watered and that sort of thing. They're more conducive to the knee slide, the pitches from the 80s, perhaps not so much. Glenn Hoddle knee slid against Watford in 1983. I'm sure, Dave, you remember that. Oh uh, Well, I remember the goal. Uh, and yes. I was surprised upon you you sending
2: the link round that, that that this was indeed the instance of the first ever ever knee slide. I can't um, find
0: one before that. 1983 it was.
2: Yeah, and as you say I don't I don't imagine the vicarage road pitch back in those days was particularly considering Graham Taylor's um, love of you know knocking it along. Um, was particularly well well watered and a zippy surface. Um but yeah, a bold move from Hoddle.
0: Yeah, well it was more of a kind of he sort of leapt up in the air and landed on his knees and then slid for a bit. Perhaps not the purist's definition of a knee slide. Uh, James, what what would you consider to be the textbook knee slide? What are what are the what are the criteria you need to satisfy here?
1: I think conditions are an important part of it. I mean, you know, we know elite pitchers get watered, but a rainy day is conducive to a knee slide, isn't it? And I think you're looking for distance, really. I think that that donates the quality of the knee slide, how far you travel. And I think it's almost like curling where you want to get... (laughs) You want to get close to but not hit the corner flag. That would be I my advice. I completely
0: agree. They should have a player in front of them, sort of sweeping the turf, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to make sure. I think we need to set a challenge, actually.
2: Now, if any of the Premier League footballers are listening, and one in particular, who I think the perfect man for this job is Scott McTominay. Yeah. Okay. With his Why? with his Scottish roots. Well, the Scots <laughs> love a bit of curling, don't they? So oh, he, okay. oh, okay. to next time he scores, he's the he's the stone, and he needs to get someone. I don't know, Daniel James. Um, can can be the, whatever, the, the man with the broom.
0: First game back at Old Trafford. That's what I want to see. And you, you'd need someone behind him who... To... You know, posing as if they'd launched the stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil so, Jones. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not sure he's got quite the. Um, I'm not sure he's got quite the sort of precision for this. But yeah, uh, this could be. I mean, banter celebrations are a hit and miss affair. But this could this could be brilliant. Um, it just needs a topical hook like the Winter Olympics, which are never going to happen. So uh, yeah, um, we're going to talk about some other niche favourite goal celebrations. I I I feel like. Um, with sort of modern mega stadiums, we're seeing less and less the, the sight of a of an away away team goal scorer sort of awkwardly skipping through the tiny gap between the back of the net and the advertising hoardings in front of the home fans as he teases them. I'm thinking sort of Robert Perez at White Hart Lane, James.
1: Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these celebrations are being curtailed, aren't they? Because you know yeah. they're met with the yellow card. It's like I think very fondly on sort of the '90s t-shirt slogan. Um, oh yes I, yeah which i think reached its peak actually slightly later when andrea sharvin scored against barcelona and pulled his shirt over his head to reveal a t-shirt with a picture of andrea sharvin on it which was <laughs> incredibly surreal meta moment like an indefinite <laughs> loop of sharvin
0: just going like an on and on it's waste of a t-shirt i mean traditionally <laughs> the, the subjects of a, of a t-shirt celebration are the following your own kids yeah uh an injured colleague Perhaps Jesus a, a, let's not
1: forget Jesus
0: yeah Jesus and a jailed political activist and they're the, they are, I think they're the only messages of support you're allowed to offer on a t-shirt uh, I think I'm not sure if it is a bookable offense to, is it a bookable offense to remove your t-shirt or put it over your head <sighs> sure I, I did a bit of read.
2: research on this earlier on. Yeah. The, oh, go on and I wonder whether this if, if we were to go and analyze which I know you have done it in times in your career Adam analyze the stats when it comes to celebrations Big would time. we see would we see uh, the numbers of shirt celebrations fall off a cliff in 2003 because in 2003 is when the rules would change and you got a yellow card for, for taking your shirt off or over particularly overzealous celebration.
0: I would say so, but but the, the, the net benefit of that is that it, it it doesn't become a cheap thing, you only do it when it really really matters. So, take Aguero for example, he removed a shirt and 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 whilst whilst it clearly is a bookable offense and I don't really have a massive issue with that because if you're happy to take the booking just take the booking it's all right it's no big deal I also particularly like uh when when a lot of hard work has gone into creating the goal when and, and, and the goal's simply been scored with a tap-in I, I like it when all the all the all the praise goes to the guy who created it so that the goal scorer runs over and points very earnestly to the assister and says this was your doing thank you it's, that's a mm. quite heartwarming moment. But then, of course, there are the, the, the opposite happens when, when all the hard work's gone into a goal and the goal scorer doesn't congratulate the assister. I feel that's quite mean.
1: Yes, there's there's a a very particular example of that I remember in the Champions League once Theo Walcott basically ran the length of the pitch as a teenager (laughs) against Liverpool, squared it for Emmanuel Adebayor, who (laughs) tapped into an empty net. And actually, while the rest of the team all ran to Walcott, Adebayor, completely unawares, just like ran to the away fans and stood in front of them like, look upon my mighty works, I've scored an open goal from six yards.
0: Speaking of Adebayor... uh, (laughs) sure (laughs) I feel like this is the greatest Premier League celebration of all time, when he scored against Arsenal at the Etihad for Manchester City in, in 2009. And it's, it's just the sheer pace he picked up from the edge of one penalty area and then in a straight line ran all the way to the other end where the Arsenal fans were situated. And the goal celebration itself is, is perfectly good, well executed, uh, a decent knee slide at the end, and then... What it gave rise to was this incredible tableau of angry Arsenal fans. I actually wanted to track them down and speak to them individually for a piece. I just couldn't find any of them. I, I just wanted to, have everyone seen this kind of gif of kind of just tumbling Arsenal fans in sheer anger, this throbbing mass. Um, what, what emotion did you feel at that moment, James? I have to
1: say, and it won't win me much favor, but I think I, I think I to a certain level I admired the theatricality of it. You know, it was <laughs> yes. just this extraordinary thing. I mean, he travelled so far. Distance, yeah. I think we're finding out, is is quite a big factor in celebrations. You know, and yeah. I think that the further you travel, the the better it often is. Who can 100%. forget Mourinho down the touchline? By way of example, all the way managers to the corner flag is is massive. I think. Yes. but a footballer travelling the the length of the pitch just to be vindictive enough to celebrate in front of the away fans, who are sort of sw- they
0: look like a sort of swarm of bees, just like try- <laughs> fighting over each other to try and get to him. Uh, Every yeah, now and it, then someone just appears out of nowhere that you didn't see that like the other four hundred and eight <laughs> times you'd watch the GIF.
1: There's, yeah, there are about some, thirty thousand fans into a very in a very small area of the stadium. Uh yeah, I, I kind of yeah, he'd been getting a lot of stick that day out of bio, and justifiably so, but what a riposte. I mean, you can't argue with it, really. I, f- I find I... it absolutely fascinating. The just as a human study,
2: just to as you say, to this this incredible reaction from the Arsenal fans, yeah, and it's the the staggering lack of self awareness that football fans show on a regular basis. I mean, how many were there? 10,000? If it was at the Emirates, you know, you've got, what, 60,000 people who would be in unison chanting all sorts of things about yeah. somebody like Adebayor. But the second he has the temerity to acknowledge them and <laughs> celebrate in front of them, they all react as if somebody has tried to murder their child. Like, it's inc- it's <laughs> really
0: incredible. It's a fairly universal thing, though. I mean, the op- uh, I remember Thierry Henry at Highbury celebrating in front of the um the Spurs fans It's 2002 and there's a just incredible picture of him sort of on his again on his knees after a, at the end of a knee slide which which ended a safe distance away from the fans and then you just have this really wide shot and then I, I look at it and I try and count all the individual gestures there's there's wanker signs there's just some really kind of um, low-key passive-aggressive just two fingers up in the air and then and then occasionally you get the odd face who's just sitting there going yeah fair enough mate you that was pretty good. And I really, I just, I just love the tableau.
1: Yeah. I wonder if like at the completion of that knee slide, like he's like, I'm going to show them. I'm going to run in front of them. I'm going to slide. And he gets there and everyone's just swearing at him and making wanker signs, et cetera. Is there a moment where he goes, Oh, this is horrible. Actually. I don't know why I did this. <laughs>
0: But I guess there's a moment after you finish your knee slide where you think, I'm going to be here for a few seconds here. Yeah, you really have to start, yeah. Well,
1: because you have to wait for your teammates to join yeah. you, don't you? Yeah. You can't get up from the knee slide. You've got to wait mm. for them to all sort of bundle you.
0: Actually, that that reminds me of, of another sub-genre of celebrations, which is the a goalkeeper who's won a penalty shootout for his team. So mm. the camera lingers on him. I, I remember kind of seaman Euro 96 against against Spain and he, he saved the sort of decisive penalty and then he had to yeah. wait a slightly uncomfortable amount of time for all the players to get there and it's just kind of it's like when are they going to get there when are they going to get to this goalkeeper to, to congratulate him on on, on playing some part in winning this penalty shootout.
1: They never meet halfway, do they? They're never no. like <laughs> come goalkeeper to me who's done no running the whole game. At, <laughs> at, at, the, at that final moment, we're like, I think you guys can come to me, actually. I know you've played 120 minutes, but he just stands there. I think they're enjoying the moment, aren't they? They're, they're reveling in it.
0: One of my abiding memories of Gazzetta Football Italia in the 90s was sort of cavernous Serie A stadiums where goal scorers, you would jump over the advertising hoardings and then not return to the action for about an hour because it just took so long. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I feel like that's one something we've really lost from sort of Olympic-sized stadiums.
1: Yeah, you could do a quick 400 metres, you know, in between.
0: <laughs> yeah, Why are there so many running tracks in Europe? Like, there can't be that many athletics meetings. I feel like every, every sort of, Stadium you see in the in the latter stages of of the Champions League in the mid nineties had a running track, and I, I just refuse to believe athletics is that popular.
2: There, um, yeah. I, I, in as part of the research for this and the the links that you sent round, Adam, there was a an old like article on the BBC Sport website from 2002, which is so old that all the text is like condensed into one little column on the left-hand side of the screen. And somebody in that called Paul Wilson said there was an Italian player in Serie A who ran behind the goal to use a phone booth. And I've been trying desperately to find any evidence of this on the internet and none seems to exist. I've just got loads of pictures of Italian phone booths on Google Images. What's phone um, I mean, booth doing? Well, it's bill and head. He, does he, yeah. Is it he, is it in the ground? Is he left the ground? Like is it yeah, there's so many I couldn't believe
1: it though. There's su- such a gulf between the pitch and the stands in Italian grounds. Like there's probably a whole high street shops <laughs> there's a supermarket. It's funny. I mean, all those running tracks, you'd think the Italians would win more medals in athletics. Yeah.
0: Middlesbrough trying to keep the pressure on. It's a pressure cooker atmosphere. Here's Cox into the 6 yard ball. in the Premiership this season but Ravenelli unable to resist his customary salute to a goal I want to park minutes. back to what you said at the start about the wagging finger celebration I always, mm. I always think of Dalian Atkinson um, chipping the goalkeeper for Villara. I think it was at Wimbledon and the wagging finger it feels like an instinctive thing that, that players do now you think it's a kind of schoolteachery telling off aspect we had listener Joe Martin suggests that it's It gives off a, you underestimated, but I've just scored kind of vibe. Mm. Um, The only person I can remember doing it was Ronaldo, who wouldn't have been underestimated by anyone. To me, it's just a case of, have a bit of that. That goal was incredible and just have some of that. That's all I think of it as. There's not much more depth to it, is there? Maybe there's like...
1: There could also be like, they're about to do a sort of pistol thing with their hands, but then they (laughs) realise that's probably inappropriate. So it's kind of a floppy gun. I don't know.
2: Floppy gun. Nice. It's part of it, I wonder, like almost a message to their teammates to say like, no, 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 don't come near me. No, I'm going to do something here. And like, it's a no thing. It's a like, no. Leave me to this. I've got I've got
0: this. The last thing I want to see during a dramatic goal celebration is teammates getting in the way. When you when you when you see the genesis of, of what could be an incredibly full length full length of the pitch celebration, sort of Tardelli esque, and then teammates have the temerity to get in the way and stop them either by some sort of horrendous headlock or pulling of their shirt. Get out of the way Yeah, I do
1: like the brush off from the goal scorer. You yes. know, when his teammates like trying to get up alongside him and he's like yeah. get out of it. Almost <laughs> the elbows so bad, come though. up. I feel bad
0: because it, it implies that they don't get on with that player or they're sort of yeah. not important enough to stop them celebrating.
1: Fans will um, always, always read like into it. It's always like squad
0: players you get pushed out of the way. <laughs> uh,
1: but then there is another type of player, of course, who's first on the scene. David Beckham was famous, <laughs> wasn't he, for being yeah. first on the scene. I think Rio Ferdinand
0: too. You know, Rio always... Ferdinand was a prolific shoulder climber.
1: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely
0: actually running to the corner seems to be seems to be quite a modern phenomenon maybe it is a tv thing because you look at any goals back in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s they weren't running to the corners they were they were sort of running back up the pitch to celebrate with their players i think maradona ran to the corner um but that's the kind of natural curvature of his run but it's sort of 86 but i just it feels like running to the corner is is quite a televisual thing that only kind of came in the 1990s well i was thinking about this actually it really
2: Celebrations as a whole are very much a televisual thing. If you think about, with the exception of instances like the aforementioned Adebayor saga, do you ever really pay attention to celebrations when you're at a game? I like you sort of see a bit of the aftermath, but like the actual immediate bit of like the, the, the preceding ten seconds after a goal has been scored, you it's absolute chaos. Mm. And then you sort of see this kind of it dispersing when you sort of
0: right, Okay, what's yeah, going on? Right. Let's have a look around. You don't really and pay attention in the back. ground, do you? Yeah. Uh, one particular televisual celebration I remember is Tony Adams for Arsenal against Everton in 98, which I don't think mathematically sealed the title, but it did it in a kind of narrative sense. He raced over the top of onto a lovely Steve Bold pass and rifled it into the back of the net with his left foot. A, a very un Tony Adams goal in pretty much every aspect. But then he celebrating What was he doing there? Well, he was just going for glory, I guess. And (laughs) he celebrated it in the only way that Tony Adams should have done, which was just to hold his arms out and quite literally bask in the glory of it all. James, that's... That was just wonderful, wasn't
1: it? It was. And it was one of those sort of moments of synchronicity in terms of commentary. I sort of suspect Tony Adams might have had an earpiece in or some sort of (laughs) communication (laughs) with Martin Tyler. Because when he went, you know, that sums it all up was the line. And the the image worked perfectly for it.
0: I mean, Mm. poetic, the whole thing. What also seems to divide opinion are choreographed goal celebrations. Now, again, this appears to be a modern phenomenon because I for the for love nor money, I cannot find an example of a truly choreographed goal celebration. That is, more than two players indulging in a pre planned goal celebration before, say, nineteen ninety two. So this is one for the kind of football was invented in nineteen ninety two brigade, because I cannot find an example of anyone indulging in this kind of um, choreographed celebration before that. There, there was the Aylesbury Duck celebration during the FA Cup in 92-93. Um, so that a lot of players genuinely waddling on the floor, holding each other's ankles. It was very human centipede, if I remember rightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I can now, describe There's, a, there's an idea. Um, Dave, you may remember uh, Watford's dead ants celebration in the FA Cup about three years later. What, what I... Do you remember what the story was behind that? Well, I've been trying
2: to find out today. I've been asking my my uh, Watford podcast colleagues and looking on the internet. I can't seem to find an explanation from anywhere. Um, I rem- I remember watching it on yeah on VHS on the season review. So that's that's I think that is yeah ninety five ninety six. It's the first season that I uh, really started liking football. Um, no no idea what what the what the ant reference was. I think I do. I, there is an explanation out there somewhere, but I can't remember it. But there, I mean, obviously, it's most notable for the fact that Mick Carford yeah. just- Marched through this sea of Watford players who were just on their backs, waggling their feet in the air, and basically just tried to stamp over them.
0: It was the most unimpressed I've ever seen anyone look about anything. You see, like he. he... Wimbledon have just conceded an equaliser in FA Cup against Watford. Half a dozen Watford players are now lying on their backs, waggling their legs in the air, apparently like dead ants, right in front of him. And instead of walking around them or just standing there, he decides to really casually walk on them, just literally tread on them. And they all don't know what to do after that. It's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to watch and it's what, something what I really, you... I'd fully expect Mick Harford to do.
2: What he really should have done, if he had any sense of sort of comic timing about him, he should have pretended to pour boiling water over them from a kettle, mm. which would have played. Is that into what you do to ants? Yeah, absolutely. That's You've disgusting. got an ant infestation. You pour boiling water over them. Well, that's what oh. my mum did anyway.
0: Oh, them, I'm more uh, of a we... I'm more of a toxic powder kind of guy, but <clears throat> fair enough.
1: A giant magnifying glass, I think.
0: Oh, and just God. Try, and, <laughs>
1: try and divert that... the light of the floodlights through onto the. <laughs> That would have been a blood. really
0: good celebration. I, I really I, wish he'd done that.
1: I, I think uh, in this sort of coordinated celebration, I always think of that Chelsea team of the sort of mid to late 90s. You know, the Roberto Di Matteo, Frank Geluca Viali Gianluca Vialli era. And, and this was genuinely
0: that, quite classy, wasn't it? It was, it, was, it? it was Middlesbrough in 96, I think.
1: It was. It was sort of like a calendar shot, wasn't it? Of the more <laughs> yeah. Sliding interview. But I, there's something very loose about that because it sort of implies, yeah, in training we sort of mainly just work on this. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. don't even. We don't even really need to practice the football stuff. And I like it that. was. Ve-
0: it was very foreign influxy as well. It's just like here we are. We're way more stylish than you. And this is how we're going to celebrate. Although Jody Morris and Dennis Wise are involved just to add a little bit of uh, of home nations flavour. Um, there was also the. Man United had a spell of of sort of choreographed celebrations. There was there was the Lee Sharp dance, or the Lee Sharp shuffle. I think it was Sharpie shuffle as it should have been known. And then Ryan Giggs and Paul Ince had this kind of really quite naff celebration in the early nineties where they would sort yeah, of very naff thing. It was like touch fingers and then sort of wheel away from each other backwards, not reeling, wheeling, and uh, that was a bit weird. Cal Unchained says, uh, another celebration that seems to have gone out of existence a little bit. Can you explain why the shirt over the face has gone from the game? It was a classic at primary school from 2002 to 2009. How long was he at primary school? Um, (laughs) but, but, (laughs) But I fear it's disappeared due to the need for players to have face in photos for their brand recognition or it's just gone out of fashion. What are our theories about why the shirt over face has gone out of fashion? Could,
1: could be the brand thing. I Also, shirts have got tighter again, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that point. might be a factor. Can you get yeah. that sort of leverage?
0: Of course, there was Diego Forlan who once took his shirt off and then really struggled to get it back on during the United mm. game, sort of late 2000s, I think. And it, it took him a full two minutes while he tried to continue playing to get his shirt back on. So, yeah, I think it's just it's just shirt design has made it less kind of viable. Um, Ed Quoth, the Raven, suggests that back in the day, there were rumours that Cellnet were going to put their logo upside down on the inside of Fabrizio <laughs> Ravanelli's shirt so that it showed on his face when he celebrated a goal. But I think he only did that once on the opening day and he didn't do it again, so it wouldn't have worked. Really? He only yeah. ever did the Ravanelli celebration
2: once? I, d- iconic... I cannot back
0: that up with any evidence yeah. whatsoever. I've just I've just said it and that's all. There was, uh, Getafe had a Burger King shirt, which actually had the actual Burger King on the inside and when they, really? when in theory they would pull the shirts over their head, the Burger King's face would replace their face. Well, the most surprising uh, thing is...
2: about that to me is that there is a Burger King.
0: Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So he's like the the Colonel of KFC, but for Burger King, he is the King.
1: He's no, he's nowhere near the Colonel or or Ronald, is no. he? In terms no of way. profile, <laughs> no.
0: No, he's oddly he, he takes an oddly sort of distant back step in the sure. in the Burger King corporate brand. That's a lovely ball. But there was a suspicion of offside not given, though, as Nevin goes on. Well saved. It comes to Bigri.
1: And how about that? Eat your
0: heart out, Hugo Sanchez. Peter Bigri scores his first ever goal for Everton and gives us a celebration to remember. Other forms of celebration. Dancing and acrobatics. Um, uh, there seems to be <laughs> there's an undercurrent here of... Um, proper football manism, uh, whenever on match of the day you'll see a, a player sort of doing a backflip or, or dancing, a pundit is, is legally obliged to say, not sure about those dance moves.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't uh, get that at all. I love a bit of acrobatics. I'm, you okay. know, a big fan of the sort of lamana Tres or Luau Luau extravaganza. Um,
0: yeah, it, it, it was very much like a... It, uh, one for the African imports like Obafemi Martins or Celestine Babiaro or Peter Beegri. I agree. It never.
1: <laughs> it, it ne- even Robbie, we- Robbie Keane's little cartwheel kind of never oh, felt quite awful. right to me. You know, white awful. men can't jump. It just shouldn't happen.
0: Well, now, be, to be fair, it, Beegri, Beegri can pull it off. He can. Oh, he was great. Beagree was really good. But Robbie Keane, Robbie Keane was like, I did gymnastics. I, I, I did gymnastics as like an after school thing when I was about seven. And I remember being in like the, the real elementary class, and that's what we did. We did forward rolls, and that was the yeah. real that was considered to be the real kind of benchmark for elementary gymnastics lesson one. So that's where Robbie Keane got to. But he did it in every scenario, didn't he? I think like consolations, winners yeah. of winner uh, winning goals, capping a five 0 win. He would do that celebration in every context. That's every real dedication to his brand.
1: I mean, about five years ago, my grandma bet me that she could still do a cartwheel. <laughs> And she did it in the garden and I would say it was more impressive than Robbie Keane's celebration.
0: Did she do finger pistols at the end?
1: <laughs> she did, yeah, she did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> A real classy touch. Oh, look at that from Bentelev. He's given it straight to Rooney. Now Rooney bursting through. Still he
1: goes on. Can he finish Rooney? That could be the knockout blow from Wayne Rooney. That is fantastic. Well, the Rooney celebration
0: there was terrific. It was a boxing celebration. I I did some statistical analysis on this at the the World Cup of 2018. I I wanted to see what the state of play was with goal celebrations. And I thought the World Cup would be a good melting pot for for where we were, a good cross-section of where we were. And uh, of the 157 goals that were scored at World Cup 2018, not including own goals, uh, the jump and punch was the most... uh, Well, jump and punch, there were 24 of those. Uh, The knee slide... Uh, came in with 23 but uh, hugging was still the most popular there were 26 goals celebrated primarily by hugging uh, is, is, is that a nice thing is it good that was in, in the year 2020 the most cynical era of our time we're still hugging each other after goals that's a good thing right
2: I'm quite surprised with the yeah I'm surprised that there's such an even split there and that I'm surprised I'm surprised at that many hugs Surprises that many boring jump and punches.
0: Jump and punch is a very interesting one because I feel like you've got to fully commit to jumping and punching, like really go for it. But Harry Kane does that routinely, but he's, oh, yeah. he's really half assed It's it, pathetic, uh, isn't it? Every picture of him doing that, it looks like he's just abseiling. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it looks, it <laughs> just, looks just looks a tiny little rubbish. hop
2: down the I, face I of a building. Of his,
0: I imagine it's part of his kind of sort of body-perfect self-preservation thing. Don't run, jump and punch too... Too forcefully because you might cause yourself an injury. Um, yeah, sure. Maybe it's Inj- injury during a
1: celebration is about as humiliating as it gets, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. hubris of that moment—terrible.
0: Well, that, that leads us back to knee slides because if you knee slide of on course. a dry pitch, you're you're asking for all sorts of trouble. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think Eden Hazard had to stop knee sliding because uh, because it was aggravating a kind of slight knee problem, and I, I can't. I can imagine we'll we'll get to a stage a bit. Uh, you know where clubs are putting it in players' contracts that they shouldn't celebrate in a certain way. Babiaro, for example, actually injured himself in pre-season of his first Chelsea season by, by I think it was against Kingstonian. He he did a somersault celebration and broke his leg and was out for the first <laughs> few months of the season. So Gosh, there you are. Lesson in a friendly as well. Yeah, too hard to trying too hard to impress. And of course, you know you don't score against Kingstonian too often in your life. So, uh, so I guess
1: yeah, you make the most yeah. of it.
0: Um, other other statistical. Discoveries I made from the World Cup of 2018 were um, celebrations by the left corner flag trumped those to the right corner flag by an emphatic score of 65 to 42. Now that, to me, feeds into the wheeling away theory. That is, if a player is scoring with his right foot and therefore moving over to his left, he's going to continue to wheel away. Mm. Sure. It's the only explanation. I agree. Yeah. exactly <laughs> what I was
2: thinking. Yeah,
0: but it's quite unsatisfying to see a player. When they score a goal, have suddenly realise where they're going, where they're going, and have to change direction and go somewhere else. I find that quite unsatisfying. I want my, I want some fluidity to my goal celebration.
2: Well, the best example of that, actually, and this is this is this is ve- a very very satisfying, very lovely moment, was when mm. uh, Lloyd Doyley, uh, the Watford. Um, Stalwart had played for 10 years in the first team and never scored a goal. I don't think he barely had a shot. He was like so hapless, like lovably hapless (laughs) defender. Um, He scored a goal in 2009 against QPR. Brilliant diving, proper full length diving header. And like it was a moment where everyone in the crowd was like, "Oh my God, Dooley's scored!" And like the, the, the decibels were turned up a little bit higher, and he mm. didn't know what to do. He just instinctively <laughs> got up and ran the direction he was facing. And on Tom Cleverley, <laughs> who was on loan from Man United at the time, had to turn him around and point him towards the fans. <laughs> say, no, no, go and celebrate with the fans.
0: That is that's very heartwarming. Having to be directed towards your own fans to celebrate, and it, it was at Vicarage Road, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would not have been too hard to to find them. Yeah, all four sides. To be oh, honest, that's he, he would have got there eventually. Oh, that's that is chance. Bent through to Higuain, Berzin. clever flick. Higuain tried to the cross, and Real Madrid are in front. And Cristiano Ronaldo is back. No celebration. Complete respect for his surroundings. But the homecoming is a happy homecoming for Cristiano Ronaldo. We really ought to, to discuss muted celebrations because when I tweeted about this episode beforehand, there was this uh, a mini deluge of people who were bemoaning muted celebrations and said that that it's that it just shouldn't happen. And I, I feel like they are a real moral dilemma for the proper football men of this world because they're they're, they're a collision of two things. They they are showing respect uh, to a former club, which I feel like is something that. Proper football men would advocate, but also proper football men also say that they should just celebrate for fuck's sake. Just, just celebrate. There's nothing wrong with it. So, where do you stand on a muted celebration? Do you, do you feel like it is indeed a classy touch? I, I think I think it entirely depends on the individual
2: and their relationship to the to the club that they've just just scored against. Um, so what's the like, threshold
0: here? I think a hundred games.
2: Yeah. I think you've got to be like a club hero or a club legend.
0: I think if you were on loan at them once, yeah, yeah that, that, that definitely shouldn't count.
2: Doesn't count whatsoever. No, I think I think you have to have established an emotional bond with the supporters of that club in whatever way that is. Otherwise, if you're just passing through
0: and you were there for a few seasons, celebrate. Like you're anyone else, I think. But but even then, James. Okay, having us having established the ground rules for muted celebration here and understanding the sentiment behind it, are we getting to the stage now where it's just a bit too performative? It's just a bit too look at me.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's where the muted celebration stems from. I mean, it, it was pioneered really by someone like Thierry Henry who, you know, would score a goal and sort of give the shrug. Or, you know, there was a famous one where he took a free kick and then just sort of looked at the referee as if to say, (laughs) uh, hope hope you enjoyed it, mate. Et voila. Uh, But then it sort of began to evolve into this thing about former clubs. I completely agree that there needs to be some real backstory there, be it either a few seasons of significance, winning something of significance. Maybe if you came through that club as a youth player, I think that, that gives you a little bit of a caveat, but... I always remember Danny Welbeck going to Old Trafford and scoring for Arsenal and celebrating every
0: single time, you know. Uh, and I, and Mark I Kees love used that. Used to celebrate against United, I think, after he left. And you just think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Because what I do fear is that it, it exposes football fans for being, for being both entitled and really childish. Is this something we really cannot handle? A former player celebrating a goal for his current team against us—is that can we not handle it? Hmm. Well, evidently well, uh, not. No, it's pathetic, <laughs> isn't it? It is by definition quite
2: pathetic. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it brings us back to, the you know, the Adebayor, as we've discussed, is the p- absolute perfect situation of this. But, like, at least then there was, like, it was a very, very provocative, direct, in-your-face gesture uh, from, from Adebayor. But, like, even... It, I've seen people at, at normally mild-mannered Watford fans going going mad at someone who, like, Heide Helgeson came back. And he, you know, he did have <laughs> a bit of a connection, but he scored and went yeah. mental when he scored against us yeah. for Fulham. And people, just they're just losing their shit. And it's just, I, I'm exasperated by it always.
0: But the the mechanics of a muted celebration are really—they're starting to quite irritate me because, as I say, it's quite performative. It, it's so muted that it becomes a cacophony. Because first of all, you get the the, the the goal scorer will instinctively start wheeling away because you know it's ingrained in their muscle memory to do so, and then after a couple of steps, they realise what they're doing, so they stop. And then you'll probably get the, the, the kind of hands of apology that they kind of rotate sort of 270 degrees and say, look, everyone, I'm really sorry, which is just way too much already. And then sort of un, teammates who haven't quite grasped the situation will come over and try and, and congratulate them. And then they have to kind of escape their headlock and say, no, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then it's just a kind of really solemn face. I remember Frank Lampard scoring for Man City against Chelsea the season, of, I think it was 14-15. And and he made a big thing of it. And it it was just a a bit much. It was just a bit... If you just shook a few players' hands and and maybe smiled, I think you'd be able to get away with it if you just didn't really go for it. But I think if you're going too far with it, then you're basically having the opposite effect. You're basically looking like you're you're making it all about yourself. I just don't like it. I don't like it. And I understand why there was this kind of flood of derision when I tweeted about about this podcast. So I'm with the masses on this. I don't like it.
1: No, nor do I.
0: I'd, I'd, I'd happily see the back of it. Good. Uh, what I do enjoy, though, is, uh, and this is a very specific situation, say a team is 2-0 up and the, the opposition scores make it 2-1 with a, maybe a few minutes to go. I really enjoy the goal scorer going and grabbing the ball out the back of net and then That's having great. a wrestling match in doing so. Because the whole thing is, is, is wonderful to watch. It gets everyone really angry. It involves up to 22 players. And yet the whole thing is utterly futile because they're not going to kick off they're, they're going to kick off in their own time. It's This is an absolute waste of effort, but it's always great to watch. It is good, especially when the team is sort of like
1: out of the game anyway. If it's like three or four nil and it's the 85th minute and they get one back and they, they sort of act like, here we go. They have to, they're doing it just for the fans. They, ha- they know they have to, but it is <laughs> <Yes>. essentially pointless. <laughs>
0: Uh, but it all takes place in this kind of tiny confine of the back of a goal net, which always leads yeah. to the kind of just the mass of massive bodies writhing it's around be- in this in this netting at the back, and you just think, "What are you doing? You're grown it's, men."
2: It's particularly good as well, but if the goal scorer is a diminutive forward and then just at the right height with a towering goalkeeper who's just he's, <laughs> he's like sort of looking up at him, trying to wrestle the ball away from him.
0: Uh, yeah. The goalkeeper should just hold it up in the air and, and not, let, not let them yeah. have it. Also, there's an offshoot of that. Is, is when, when the goal scorer goes to grab the ball, say, just inside the six-yard box, uh, the goalkeeper will absolutely punt it away just before they get there. And the goal will just say, well, fair enough, there's not much I can do about this. And then realise that it's that it would have been a waste of time to go and get the ball anyway, because they will kick off in their own time. An absolute waste of effort, um, the grabbing the ball out the back of the net celebration, if it is indeed a celebration. Uh, other... Um, nominations for worst mainstream celebrations ollie povey says whenever a player is tackled to the ground by their own teammates after shrugging off at least one hug Uh, we talked about this earlier it's a bit like running the gauntlet on gladiators in the 90s Uh, you should let you should let a player complete their celebration before you you drag them to the ground shouldn't you
1: i think so especially when it's clear that that's you know part of the plan i think you know you've got to take the hint if a guy gives you the shoulder brush, let him do his little bit that he's going to do. We all want to see it. We're all sat at home. Let us enjoy it.
0: I remember sort of Jimmy Glass scoring that famous goal. He was the goalkeeper who scored for Carlisle to keep them up in '96 or '97. And, uh, he was he was oh sorry, and he was buried under this mass bodies because he didn't know where to go, so he kind of began to run and then sort of didn't really know what to do, so then only in that circumstance I think is it okay for for the others to take charge and kind of just bury him yeah. uh, but otherwise well, but,
2: but he was a goalkeeper like and that, that is a subgenre in itself. goalkeepers who somehow end up scoring a goal they typically don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, it's the purest goal celebration of all because it—that is unbridled joy. That's that there, there is no design, there's no cynicism there. Presumably, no goalkeepers have planned goal celebrations, so um, but, I, I really enjoyed that one. But you can—I um, mean,
2: you can sub—you can subdivide that genre even even further. So, a uh, Jimmy Glass or a Schmeichel or Paul Robinson who go up that end and score with a header or, or something from a corner, like at least you're near the fans and you're with the other players and you can kind of do a generic run around and be you know elated goal celebration. If you are Asmir Begovic, who accidentally <laughs> scores for Stoke by just smacking it and it, a gust of wind takes it in, they they don't really know quite what to do because they're all in position. Apologetic often, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they can't yeah, run really. There's a <laughs> the goalkeeper's, goalkeeper's code. Yeah. yeah,
0: totally. Um, yeah, there was a genuine kind of palm of apology with that one. Uh, Sean Roberts says the worst is when a player makes a little love heart finger sign like Gareth Bale awful don't like think we don't we don't like finger gestures do we unless he's trademarked that
1: i believe or tried yeah
0: yeah he brought out a patent for it in 2013 and (coughs) the actual the actual patent itself has a little diagram with the hand actual hands in a heart shape as if you could possibly trademark that it's it's dreadful behavior and um, at a kind of patent level as well um James Hobbs this is a rather niche one he says the worst one is the football under the shirt as a pregnant belly uh combined with a thumb suck because it implies that the mother to be also sucks her thumb mm. so so it's kind of factually incorrect F- yeah very is true. That a thing? yeah yeah I'm trying to think I think it, uh, Brazilian players have done it
2: what to... so like they're as if like they're actually like they're partner is expecting and they do a thing. Exactly. They're in sort of announcing the pregnancy
1: through the art of celebration.
0: But I'm just sure the thumb sucking is required because I, I'm sure, it. unless they're suggesting that they're putting on weight or something like that, then uh, <laughs> I'm sure the implication is quite clear. But then it leads to sort of further grades of parenting because, of course, you have the classic Babetto cradling, which was mm. popularised in 94. So you have to, you have to have at least... You need at least two teammates to join in, otherwise it just looks really... Half-hearted. We can't so be da- far
1: from the the gender reveal celebration.
2: There is a recent example from this season of a parenthood-related celebration gone wrong. Bristol City striker Famara Jiju, he ran over, he scored, he ran over to the touchline, to like the dugout area and uh, one of the coaches like handed him a little party hat like a, on an elastic, like a pointy <laughs> party hat on some elastic. He tried to get it on his head to celebrate his son's first birthday but he just couldn't do it. He, I don't know whether the elastic snapped or whatever, he couldn't get it on, he was faffing around, took too long and Lee Johnson the whole time his mam- was standing next to him, just sort of shaking his head. He was giving him the benefit of the doubt. He was, but he just at at some point he just had to step in and say, "No, come on, get back, get back on the pitch." It just hasn't worked.
0: Yeah, I think that the cut off the cut cutoff, the cutoff point for celebrating your children should be maybe two weeks after the birth. After that, you, you shouldn't recognize it in a goal celebration at all.
1: But that does remind me of the the mask celebration that we haven't really touched on. I mean, ah. I always think of Facundo Sava at Fuller yes. with his yeah. Zorro
0: mask. He was known for that before he joined Fulham, but I I don't think he scored enough goals for Fulham to kind of popularise it here. No, um, the, the, it didn't get a lot of wear out of that mask. <laughs> yeah, so he, he carried it around it in his shin pants the whole time? Yeah, he
2: did. Wow. But there, was, um, there, there was others. Um, Jonas Gutierrez, I think, did a mm. Spider-Man one mm-hmm. uh, for Newcastle. Yeah. But upon googling this earlier on, um, I was reminded
1: that actually Aubameyang used to do this yeah, at yeah. Dortmund. He, but he's not done it at Arsenal, has he? He he did um, at Arsenal in a in a European game. He did the Black Panther mask. I don't know if you remember that. He had it kept uh-uh. behind the goal. I think a photographer was looking after it for him. Oh, that's uh, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And then he sort Storing of popped it, it on. It was around the time of the release of the film, and I don't believe it was commercial. I just think you know it was kind of a uh, an allusion to his African heritage. But
0: uh, yeah, the Black Panther. There you go. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash cliches and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletic Podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash cliches to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, Football Clichés listeners get two extra free beers. Of course, we shouldn't ignore managers' goal celebrations because uh, more often than not, when a goal is scored, the camera will always pan to see what the the managers are doing. And we went through a golden era of this sort of things. We had Mourinho kind of racing down the touchline at Old Trafford for Porto. But now, I feel like we're in this kind of era of very earnest, studious managers and we're we're reaching record levels of managers almost performatively not celebrating goals. I think Mourinho started that as well. Almost the implication was, yeah, this is how it was supposed to go. I'm not celebrating this. And I feel like now Eddie Howe is doing it and everybody's doing it. This is almost like managers aren't allowed to celebrate goals anymore. What's going on? Do you think it's just kind of saving face for later on?
1: I think it's that. I think it's the fear of this being some sort of consequence
2: there's there's an element of it where they are perhaps performatively showing that my mind's always on the game yeah I'm not bothered it's just part of the plan it's pointing the the finger up to the temple switch on switch on or like Mourinho will like get him weighed into a celebration pull it apart and tell someone tell the right back that he needs to go and do something there's a lot of that but like I mean Mourinho is the master of the of the the manager celebration really? I mean, obviously, as James mentioned earlier on, the the Old Trafford run down the touchline, at Old Trafford was just a wonderful iconic yeah. moment. The the shushing of the finger, which he's used a few times, he did it oh, yeah. did it in the League Cup, didn't he? When they That's first right. won his yeah. first trophy, the, yeah. the game at Anfield where they where uh, Gerard slipped, like he's got it. He can do everything. Very versatile when it comes to celebrating or not, as the case may I- be.
0: I think it was last season or the season before. I remember. I think Neil Lennon, uh, when he was the Hibs manager, um, celebrated a disallowed goal. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was in the Edinburgh derby against Hearts. And so Hearts had had a goal disallowed, and um, Neil Lennon turned round to the fans and celebrated the disallowed goal. But I think I think he was just sort of flicking the V's at them. And <laughs> I just thought that is that sumptuous behaviour. That is that's proper. That's you're not going to hit those levels of 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 just pure. Taunting from a manager. Yeah. So Mourinho never, may never, have set the benchmark, but Lennon really took it onto
2: a new level there. Never want to shy away from um, from, a, from a controversial spat. No. I think is, <laughs> he? Really like no, my, my 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 favourite managerial celebration of all time is Maradona when he was inexplicably the Argentina manager. I mean that actually <laughs> happened. He took them to a World Cup if we can believe yeah. that. Um, it it was one of, one of his stages where he was quite he was quite fat, not at his sort of biggest, but it definitely not at his sort of post gastric band smallest either. <laughs> um, they needed they needed a goal to like stay in with a chance of qualifying for the twenty ten World Cup. And it was in the absolute pissing rain against Peru. And they scored in like the 96th minute or something. And he just slid, not on his knees, on his big fat <laughs> belly in the rain. And it's just a ridiculous image. And I, I just, I just love the fact that he was the manager for a start. And, uh, you know, it was a classic Maradona.
0: I'd really like to see Eddie Howe do that. Just really let just go. Just let go. Yeah. yeah, come on, Eddie. Celebrate. His goals are great. I, 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 I do wonder now what the future of goal celebrations is um where are celebrations going to go from here first of all in in the in the kind of medium term if we are going to end up with behind closed doors ends to the premier league season are are we opening ourselves up to some potentially horrendous goal celebration banter
1: I think so. I think that there'll be a lot of sort of stuff down the barrel. You know, I think there'll be a lot of camera interaction as as players attempt to connect with those at home. Uh, and that leaves itself open to all sorts of potential issues, yeah.
2: I, I think, I'm not sure. I think if if we do, it's a big if, if we get to a situation where we have to have games played behind closed doors for the remainder of this season, whenever that will be, such is the, you know, the the sombre nature of everything that's going on, I think... I think it's gonna be really strange. I could can you I mean, there'll be that just one big joy. to celebration. Well, yeah, there will be that instinctive sort of n-
0: yeah, desire right.
2: to celebrate. But also, I mean, pie closed doors anyway, like it's just weird. You can hear everything, you can hear the players screaming. Mm. Unusually unusually high pitched screams, I think you, you <laughs> discover from the from the players. Yeah. But I think I think you might get, yeah, a few like like James said, maybe down the camera, but like
0: with sort of like messages of like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. To, the t shirts could happened. be back, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well my my biggest fear is that we're gonna get sort of topical related sort of hilarities like players could trying to set up their own Zoom conference call. Sure. Billard, That's nice. for A nine man yeah.
1: pyramid pretending to be on
2: house party, that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't think he'll do this, such as the current climate and the, the, the spotlight on him in, the, in this day and age. But if this was like 15 years ago, what would happen is Jack Grealish would score a goal in his first game back and would uh, be presented with two different coloured flip flops by somebody from the bench in recognition <laughs> of his <laughs> embarrassing picture. Uh, from his misdemeanour at the weekend, like in the manner of when obviously there was the Robbie Fowler incident when he sniffed the touchline after reports that he'd been out
0: uh, indulging in uh, extracurricular activities. That was a great moment of Premier League soap opera because um, he'd been taunted by the Everton fans for uh, for his rumoured uh, nighttime uh, uh, indulgences, and so he 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 responded to that by by pretending to snore. Powder off a white line, and then after the game, Gerard Houllier he tried to try to um, sort of brush it off and said that he was actually pretending to be a cow eating grass, <laughs> and it and it he just came across as the most just tenuous explanation for something. And he he kept saying it to all the broadcasters, saying, "Oh yeah, Rigobert Song does it at the training ground. He just pretends to be a cow, and all the other players do it." And it was just so rubbish. And in the end, Fowler had to issue an apology, and uh, I remember Sky News. Um, um, sort of dictated his apology but in a Scouse accent they had to get a Scouse actor to read it out and that was really interesting <laughs> really uh, odd
1: yeah another one of that ilk I guess is the the Gaza dentist chair right where you know they'd had the criticism in the media and they sort of reenacted it so so brilliantly so effectively I, yeah I do fear for the future of celebrations I think you know with without wishing to sound like anyone's dad um, I think Things like FIFA and the sort of, you know, the, the individualised celebrations on that will keep celebrations alive. And probably things like TikTok as well, sort of meme culture. I think well, Fortnite will... is the massive one. Like, exactly, that's already and all that.
2: Yeah, I had a look earlier on. There's a three and a half minute video on YouTube of all sorts of players, Messi included, doing these celebrations, which I had no idea was straight out of Fortnite. Yeah, and it's, it's a that's huge abs- thing. That's already going. Yeah, yeah, the horse has bolted on that one.
0: Well, I suppose in some ways it's still engaging with the fans. It's just in in a way that anybody over the age of 35 just won't appreciate. Um, (laughs) Well, I think we'll leave it there. The future of the goal celebrations is perhaps up in the air. Um, We're all going to wheel away in celebration. Um, Thank you both for joining me in this celebration of celebrations. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you both. Cheers, James. Thanks so much. And cheers, Dave. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. All our podcasts are completely free and ad-free versions are available to subscribers. You can sign up and get a 40% discount now by going to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod.